0: Great is Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changes not Thy compassions; they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou for Great is I faithfulness, great is I
1: Let's do this. Breathe in. Breathe out. And again, breathe in. And out. Just started a conspiracy. You know, conspiracy, the word? Conspirare, whatever. It's the breathing in sync, breathing together, which strikes me as very relevant to this story of breath. And well, it's the wind, isn't it? The wind comes we hear in the story the wind of Pentecost when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place and suddenly from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting so whether you're talking about breath or wind, the idea of sink, of sinking it up and breathing the same breath, I, I, I'm going to unashamedly use part of a sermon by Barbara Brown Taylor because she has done this remarkable bit of imagination, and I want I want you to taste some of it. So I'm going to I'm going to just use it for a moment. She says how we're all breathing the same air. You know, there's no doubt about it, but we're all recycling the air, the protective blanket of gases that is our atmosphere. It doesn't get there's no sort of like divine clean, you know, cosmic planet cleaning company that comes and sucks all the air out and replaces it with new fresh air. It's actually all recycled. We're all breathing everybody else's air and have been for millennia. So she says, think of an animal, a pterodactyl, brontosaurus, breath. <laughs> it's really us. We're breathing that same air. We're a newer, she says, a newer species, a blue-tailed skink. Think of a person, Mozart or Plato or Michelangelo or Julius Caesar or Mahatma Gandhi or Luther King. We breathe the breath that that has circulated across the mountains of Kenya as well as the sulfurous, poisonous atmosphere above Mexico City, the polluted air. We breathe the same breath, the same as a baby's first breath or some dying person's last breath. Do you know what happened on the cross when Jesus died, the very last thing that happened? Jesus let go of his last breath, willingly. That's what we believe. And she goes on to say, he willingly let go of his last breath for love of us, and that breath hovered in the air in front of him for a moment, and then it was loose on the earth. It was set loose on the earth. And it was such a pungent breath, so full of passion, so full of life, that it did not simply dissipate and get lost as so many breaths do. It grew in strength and in volume until it was a mighty wind which God sent spinning through an upper room in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. God wanted to make sure that Jesus' friends were the inheritors of Jesus' breath, and it worked. There they were, about 120 of them, Luke says, all moping around, wondering what they were going to do now without Jesus when they heard a holy hurricane headed their way. Before any of them could defend themselves, that mighty wind had blown through the entire house, striking sparks that burst into flames above their heads, and they were filled up with it. Every one of them was filled to the gills with God's breath, God's own breath. And then something clamped down on them and the air came out in languages they did not even know they knew. Like a room full of bagpipes all going off at once, they created such a noise that they drew a crowd. People from all over the world who were in Jerusalem came leaning in the windows and pushing through the doors to hear someone speaking their own language when they were so far from home. Parthians looked through the door expecting to see other Parthians and Libyans looked expecting to see other Libyans but what they saw instead was a bunch of Galileans, rural types from northern Israel dressed in the equivalent of first century overalls and so the church was born that day. The breath of Jesus became the breath of his body, the church, God's holy conspiracy. Well, thank you, Reverend Barbara Brown-Taylor. I love that. It stuck with me when I first read it. This image that we are the breath of Jesus becoming part of our breathing, like the butterfly wing on one side of the planet that, that sets off a ripple chain reaction that creates a hurricane on the other side of the ocean. God, she says, wanted to make sure that Jesus' friends were the inheritors of Jesus' breath, and it worked. The breath of Jesus set free to enter us and breathe inside and through us, which is very poetic, I know. But I think it is capturing something about the Holy Spirit that we really need to hear. It's about saying saying that, that we are finding this mysterious fusion of Jesus and our lives And the only way we can really explain it is by saying we're becoming the recipients of Jesus' breath, recycled, animating, and reimagining our life together. Because the body of Jesus is the body of the collective, right? When we're together, whether we're on a beach in the summer in August, or whether we're here in an upper room, very classically doing the church thing, we are the, re- the way, the chosen instrument by which the Holy Spirit brings Jesus into reality. And it's as if we, together, become this collaborative, conspiring group. So many different people in one place. I know we're not very many, but you can imagine we are still diverse. We feel like we fit and so this is exactly the right place and the right way in which the Holy Spirit wants to come and do the Pentecost thing all over again. It's when we are together more than when we're on our own. Now I, I love being virtuoso, I sometimes imagine I'm entrepreneurial, although that's quite a fancy term, pompous, but I think I have so many good ideas and some of them, just like 1% of them, actually get reality, but I am still much more excited about being together with Christians in a community like this, then I am on my own trying to puzzle out how to solve the problems of the world. It can be very lonely being too sure of your own personal creativity. So I love that I can put that all on a backseat. I don't wanna be the virtuoso, that's not really what I feel good and comfortable doing. I prefer it, being together. And the Holy Spirit wants us to recognize the power of being together. It's a secret strategy. Leslie Newbigin, somebody that I used to read a lot of, I haven't read many books since since the last six years when the twins were born, but I remember reading how he said this, I've come to feel that the primary reality of which we have to take account in seeking for a Christian impact on public life is the Christian congregation, the community. How is it possible, he says, that the gospel should be credible, that people should come to believe that the power which has the last word in human affairs is represented by a man hanging on a cross. I'm suggesting, Newbegin says, that the only answer, the only hermeneutic of the gospel is a congregation of men and women, young and old. And that's what I mean, the people that believe and live it. I would want to add the congregation coming together and being available to do this waiting on the Holy Spirit. As if we've got our, our sails up and are waiting for the breath or the wind to take us in the right direction. You know, I think it's a bit like saying, when the Holy Spirit comes afresh. It's like, you know, a couple that have been married for a few years and they look at each other and they say, Do you remember when? And they talk about something that's just between us. And it's like, that's what the Holy Spirit does with us. It's saying, Do you remember when, Jesus? And it's so intimate. And yet it's collective as well when we experiment with habits and we talk about Sabbath keeping and we try to come up with new ways of living in the city. The Holy Spirit is whispering in our ear, do you remember when Jesus was with his friends and he said this or he did this? And it's evoking that in a way that's not just telling stories about a dead man. It's reenacting and re-energizing us in the community today in ways that can only be the Holy Spirit's gift of bringing Jesus into new embodied life together. And there's something else. So that's like the Holy Spirit as the gift from the past, as the wind of the breath of Jesus from the cross to the present, right? So it's like the gift of the Spirit coming from behind. But what about if the Holy Spirit is also the presence of someone from the future visiting us now? Because this is the other thing, and I'm glad that we had the reading from Romans 8, because it's like this idea that there's, some, there's something happening in the future over the horizon, and yet we have the Holy Spirit right now to remind us and impress upon us that that is not just a figment of our imagination. So I'm going to switch metaphors and I'm going to use another Episcopal, Tom Wright, okay, N.T. Wright, who talks about, imagine a medieval cathedral, because of course Episcopals love cathedrals and they live in the past in the medieval... But he says, imagine a medieval scene, right? You've got a, a, a yard where they're making the stone for a cathedral. And the stonemason is typically somebody who's probably not literate and doesn't have a lot of credentials, but they know how to use a, a few implements and they make stone. But they're only working on one block for many months. And he says, this is the deal. You, you've got all these people fashioning blocks of stone, and they can't imagine, they can't really imagine what it's gonna be used for. And then along comes the master mason one day. And Tom Wright says, you know, imagine they've got this primitive scaffolding and so on, and they, they lift up the stone, and all these dozens of stonemasons that have been chipping away, if they're still there, they begin to understand how their piece of work starts to put together a beautiful facade in, a, in a, an amazingly tall building. And he says, really, it's making sense, but only, just beginning to make sense because those people had so long working on the stone and not knowing where it was going to end up. He says, imagine your life in that way. Picture yourself as patiently, obediently loving on your neighbors and loving on your block and your city and not really sure how it was all going to be of some value. And then one day we come blinking into the light and we begin to realize, how is this going to work? And The Holy Spirit is the presence of somebody right now who reminds us or who anticipates with us the way that our small, apparently trivial, and pointless efforts are going to be put together. In this yearning that we hear about in Romans 8, this this gut-wrenching yearning of wanting to bring to birth something but we're not quite sure what it is. Imagine being on a stormy night and it's all... That there's no, the, the moon is blocked out by the clouds, and you just know there's a storm brewing because you can feel the breeze starting to come. It's standing out there, and in, on the horizon you see the flickering, but you can't hear the sound of the, of the storm. You see the lightning flashes momentarily, and they set up a silhouette. That's the image that I want us to have of the kingdom that Jesus talks so much about, being not quite here yet, but on its way. Now the Holy Spirit as the breath, as the fire, is the hint of what's to come next. This image of fire, I was, re- I was just watching the party at the palace last night as a true Brit, you know, the platinum party for the queen, and they've done this remarkable thing in the, the, the palace, of the Buckingham Palace, turned into a, see- a screen, and it was just being projected on, and there was Alicia Keys, and she was playing, uh, she was singing, uh, you know, she's just a girl, she's on, she's, she's on fire, And at that point, they they bring the fire imagery down on the palace, and it's beautiful, it looks like a river. And it's it's not dangerous, it's not harmful, but it is incredibly beautiful. Like, fire can be beautiful in the right way, in the right place. And then suddenly she switches to the song, New York, and I get this tremendous rush of things like, I want to bring this to us, this image of the fire on their heads being this playful, beautiful, fascinating image but combine it with the image of the city. And she talks about the city of New York, which is her home. And I'm watching Buckingham Palace lit up with fire, and I'm thinking of the city of New York where I am right now. And I'm thinking, wow, we have such a lot to anticipate. The beautiful reality that we long for is not just about us and our talent and our innovation and the pressure that we feel under to to somehow make a difference. Because we'll never get there by that sheer incremental process of making it work. But there's something coming which is tremendously transformative. The city that we love, that we are living in, is going to become how somehow incorporated and lifted up into that, that beautiful, stunningly impressive version of the city when, as we read in Revelation, heaven and earth come together. How does that happen? I don't know. How does something that we're doing right now on our block, loving on our neighbors or doing something trivial, get remembered and lifted up and incorporated? But I know the Holy Spirit tells me, yes, do it. The Holy Spirit is the voice inside of me, the yearning that is almost without words that says, get on and do it because you know nothing that's even half good. Nothing that's done, it might not be as great or as scaled up or as innovative as you wanted it to be, Chris, or Naomi. Or my, you know, we're both, we're both in the same boat, my wife and I, are thinking, what is the point of doing all this loving and longing for beauty in the city and in relationships when there's so much that threatens to overwhelm and crush you? And so many people are leaving the cities so many Christians are leading the troop that just goes to the suburbs where it's easier to create pristineized reality. And we are turning our backs on the grubby, crungy, grungy neighborhoods that are full of stress and noise and irritating rats and all types of excrement. And I'm just thinking this is the, this is the reality. We are working in the stonemason's yard with our little mallet. Is that what you call it? I don't even know. And a chisel. And you know that it looks ridiculous, but one day the Holy Spirit is saying, this is going to get elevated and it's going to get remembered. Don't give up. Isn't that what Romans 8 says? Don't let it get to you. Don't let it crush your spirit. The Holy Spirit from behind, the spirit of Jesus' breath, reminding us of Jesus and the spirit from the future. If you like, the wind is the breath of Jesus and the fire is the lightning on the hill coming our way. That's the fusion of heaven, earth, kingdom, reality that the Holy Spirit brings to us. Again, not individualistically. And how many Christians have got into trouble because they think the Holy Spirit is all about whether I feel a sense of power or something inside of me? And how do I know whether it's me or just my delusion? So collectively, look at each other and say, we are the way the Holy Spirit will remind us of Jesus, like the breath that we breathe in, together the recycled breath and the Holy Spirit is going to be the way that we remember or is that the right you can't remember the future the way that we anticipate grasp the future before it's even happened the Holy Spirit does both the presence of God the presence of Jesus bringing the future to us now don't give up on your futile efforts to bring shalom justice, love, peace. This is the way. Holy Spirit, come and be the breath and the beauty, the wind and the fire. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, present with us now. Enter each of us gathered, waiting. And those of us listening at home, enter our body, mind, and spirit, and bring us conscious and alert to a place of assurance. Impress us with Jesus, Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry, and sustain us a deep grasp of the future, resting and playing on our imagination like fire, a sense of the future that is being prepared when all will be shalom and justice and love in the world that is shattered. And heal each of us of all that harms us. Shield us from all that threatens us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Praise God from be below, praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and.